EM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast, where we have a bit of a twist on board studying. I am Iltafat Hussein. I'm joined by Dr. Blake Briggs. What's up? Woohoo! <laughs> so for each 10-minute episode, we throw out some high-yield board knowledge. We like to say, come for the stems, but we'd like you to stay for the content. Now, please subscribe on Apple iTunes to our pod. Drop us a five-star review there. You can find a lot of our printed handouts on emboardbombs.com. You can subscribe to our newsletter if you want to keep up to date on our pods and what we're dishing out. Now, let's get into it. Dr. Blake Briggs, are you ready for the next topic? I'm ready to to dish out some pop culture medicine soup. I'm ready. I know, I know. Look, mm-hmm. I, I love Good. this question. I've been waiting for this question because, <laughs> look, I'm a, I'm a LeBron fan. You know, I'm a LeBron fan, and uh, I like this question. I made it just so for you. It, you know I wrote this just for you. Thank you, thank you. So a 21-year-old male presents to the emergency department after he fell playing basketball. So he was reenacting the final game of Kobe Bryant's career. And after shooting so many times, because this is, after all, Kobe Bryant, <laughs> he was attempting his 26th layup when he fell, you know, felt sudden pain and fell. He, you know, he got up, he had dirt, you know, from the side court all over himself on his Kobe Bryant jersey, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> it was signed as, too, wasn't it? I, yeah, it was, it was signed. And as he was walking off the court, uh, people basically started yelling at him saying, hey, look, this wouldn't have happened if you played more like LeBron James, you dished <laughs> the ball out. LeBron never had half the cash that Kobe did. And then he got into, you know, kind of a tiff with them. But finally, you know, his, his arm was hurting so much. Um, that he just showed up to the ER. So he's got stable vital signs. He's got some right arm abrasions. Which of the following is true? A, posterior dislocations, shoulder dislocations have a higher risk of neurological deficit. B, axillary nerve deficit is most commonly found in posterior dislocations. C, posterior shoulder dislocation can be effectively ruled out if the patient can perform external rotation. D, the ability to touch the opposite shoulder does not rule out anterior dislocation. The answer choice that is correct here is C. Posterior dislocation can effectively be ruled out if the patient can perform external shoulder rotation. All right, Dr. Briggs, let's get into it. Yeah, there's nothing I love more than orthopedic maneuvers on test questions. I know. I know. This is honestly just <laughs> so frustrating because you think about it and you're literally, as you go through these questions, you're memorizing the stuff for the boards. And, you know, most of the stuff you're not in real life actually using, you know, for shoulders. But, you know, they can't exactly test you on how well you can do a shoulder reduction. That's just not, a, you know, not easy to test. So they have to test mm-hmm. you on something. Right. Yeah. So I'm glad that we're going to make this super high yield for folks. And super short. It's super short. Like yeah. most of our orthopedic questions. <laughs> oh man, I'm not going to get into that. It's not gonna... Anyway, so two things about shoulder dislocations. Um, this is the stuff you need to know for sure. The highest yield facts you need to know about shoulder dislocation are what are the complications and basically how do they present the epidemiology of them, really. Like most things on EM boards, I feel like. So let's get into it. You get two types of shoulder dislocations. The shoulder joint is designed to be mobile 
it's designed to have range of motion. When you talk about the physics of the human body, the more range of motion you have in a joint, obviously the less stable it is, which is why the hip joint is so much more stable and harder to dislocate than the shoulder joint. But the shoulder joint will only dislocate really in two places, anterior and posterior. Most people know, including our med students listening, that a posterior shoulder dislocation is very rare. These are less than 10% of all reductions, probably less than 5%. So anterior shoulder dislocation is 95% of the time the cause of a shoulder dislocation in general. Posterior is very rare. The posterior shoulder dislocations occur, of course, in situations of two things, seizures or electrocutions. So remember those lightning strikes we were talking about? I guess I should have added a complication of posterior shoulder dislocation to that. That would be an example. In general, these are also harder to find. Posterior shoulder dislocations are going to be 50% of cases are missed, typically because it is so much more subtle. The mechanism of how it happens is from internal rotation with adduction. So moving the arm closer to the body and internally rotating it in an extreme fashion causes a posterior shoulder dislocation. There's no obvious deformity on the exam, hence why you have 50% um, of cases being missed. And neuro injuries, neurological injuries are extremely rare. So that was choice A. Choice A is wrong when it said that posterior dislocations have a higher risk of neurologic injury. That's false. Very rare amount of neurological injuries. Another thing is that the lack of external rotation, which makes sense, right? Because we just said the mechanism of the injury was internal rotation. So if you cannot externally rotate the shoulder, that is a very reliable physical exam sign that you have a posterior shoulder dislocation given the story and what happened. So keep that in mind. This is the three pearls for posterior shoulder dislocation. Very rare amount of neuro injuries compared to an anterior one. 50% of cases are missed and a lack of external rotation is a very reliable physical sign. That was choice C, by the way, that was incorrect. So lack of external rotation is most reliable on the physical exam for posterior shoulder dislocation. And if, you know, all the injuries, the complications that you typically see with an anterior dislocation, basically the reverse of those are found as in like the names are literally called just like reverse something. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to, I'll, I will just talk about those in the context of anterior, but tip, because typically they are asked um, in the context of anterior. So we'll talk about that in a second. The best x-ray, if you had to get one to get for this view is the shoulder view, which is axillary view x-ray. And that is the best uh, diagnostic radiograph to get to look for uh, a posterior shoulder dislocation, which is still difficult to get even for radiologists um, to look at on the x-ray. It's actually not a slam dunk um, diagnosis. So clinically, you have to put in context of, you know, why is this patient presenting today? Did they have a seizure? Were they electrocuted? So the right clinical context, the right physical exam, they can't externally rotate their arm, and then following up with x-rays and putting that all together, you can get the right diagnosis for a posterior shoulder dislocation. What are the complications we see that are unique or the nice diagnostic things that are unique to a posterior shoulder dislocation? Well, it's something called the RIM sign. Um, you have this wide glenohumeral joint space greater than six millimeters. Basically, the distance between the humeral head and the glenoid rim, they should be barely touching, like barely kissing each other. If it's greater than six millimeters, that's a high distance, and that, that you know, alludes to separation between the two. And just that lack of overlap between the humeral head and the glenoid fossa, uh, that is a high um, degree of specificity for a posterior shoulder dislocation. So moving on to the next point here, the anterior dislocation. These are the much more common. Remember, 95% of the time it's going to be an anterior shoulder dislocation. And this, of course, is due to the most common reason, which is just activity. Um, and the way we put this question, it sounded really silly with Kobe Bryant. However, 
the mechanism this guy did was actually the most common reason you get anterior shoulder dislocation. It's most commonly from the mechanism of abduction, so abduction, extension, and external rotation. If you literally do those moves right now as you're listening to us, hopefully you're in a public place. So you can like do your arm movements and you're like waiting, waiting for the bus. Yeah, don't be driving. Yeah, don't, don't, be, be, driving. don't be driving. You need both hands on the wheel. Right. Both hands on the wheel. So when you do those motions with your arm or hand, you can easily realize that that is classically what you would do for any layup or any volleyball spike. These are common mechanisms. That's why these are usually young people that get anterior shoulder dislocations. The dislocation is completely ruled out completely if a patient can touch the opposite shoulder, which is really interesting, but boards love that. So that was choice D. The ability to touch the opposite shoulder does rule out. And that's actually important clinically yeah. as well, because you have folks who will come in, they're in a, they're tackling someone in football, right? And they may, they might have like a AC joint separation or, you know, they clearly have some sort of uh, maybe rotator cuff injury and they are really worried that their shoulder is out of socket or with that, you know, AC injury, they're worried uh, that something is out of place, mm -hmm. right? Uh, where it potentially is a little bit, but it's not actually a, a true dislocation. And yeah. it's doing that simple maneuver can basically reassure you that you don't necessarily need to get x-rays, uh, yeah. you know, depending on the clinical context. You at least could save yourself from getting all these axillary view x-rays, which take a multiple right. view, um, which, you know, exactly. again, it's clinical context, but yeah, you're hundred percent right. It it's could definitely save you time. Yeah. Definitely save you time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anterior dislocation, dislocation we ruled out if the patient can touch the opposite shoulder. What are the complications of an anterior dislocation? So I've seen mixed things on this and I don't want to get into it. I, I literally have seen from multiple different board resources, they say which one is much more common. So I actually don't want to take the liberty to say that because I think no one really knows. <laughs> and I think that it, I think it completely differs per source. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can tell you this, the most common nerve injury on the anterior shoulder dislocation would be an axillary nerve impingement. And when you get that axillary nerve impingement, classically, classically, the patient's going to have numbness or kind of loss of sensation at the area of the lateral shoulder. You know, obviously the area where the um, you have to know this. You have to know yeah, this. Yeah, this is, this is, is that's so something key. that you need if to If you know. don't know this before you take your board exam, you're not serious about studying for your board exam. Yeah. You have to know You got to get serious. Time to get serious. <laughs> time to get serious. <laughs> time to get serious. It's time that you're in the pros now. It's like the NBA. I know. Anyway, so that would be the most common one, that axillary nerve dysfunction. All the others are just buzzwords you got to be aware of. Again, picture's worth a thousand words, but labral tears are common. That's basically going to be called a Bankart lesion. Bancart lesion. That is a labral tear, basically a tear of the inferior edge of the glenoid labrum. And that's the articular, you know, cartilage surface that is lining where the humoral head articulates with uh, for the shoulder joint. If you have a tear in that area, that's because of the humoral head literally moving forward out of place anteriorly and it kind of rips that labrum off. A greater tuberosity fracture, of course, would be a potentially a complication. A humoral head fracture and potentially very traumatic shoulder dislocation. These are rare, but they can happen. And that is actually called a hill sacks deformity. You may have heard that term before. That is a flat, oh, yeah, I know, right? A flat. It's always on x-rays. <laughs> yeah, they love on the this one. They always love on the this one. This will be a flattened humoral head impaction, literally because the head of the humerus just impacts up against that glenoid as it's moving forward. So you can have both of these happen at the same time, one or the other, so labral tears and a humoral head um, uh, fracture. The humoral head fracture is classically called hill sacks deformity and the labral tear is classically called the Bancart lesion. 
And then in the elderly, they're at higher risk for rotator cuff tears. Usually in young people, this doesn't happen, but in the elderly, you have to keep in mind that could be a major complication due to the weakened you know, tendons and muscles in that area. So actually, amazingly, I think we're done with this topic. Quick, we are. Let's short, do a quick summary easy. there. Yeah, let's do a quick summary there. I'd okay, what do they need to know for posterior? You know, posterior is a lot more rare, obviously, yep. right? But again, you need to know that because they're going to assume you know a lot of the things associated with anterior dislocation. Posterior is much more rare, less than 10% of all cases. Right. It comes from the actions of internal rotation and adduction. There's no obvious deformity on exam. Neuro injuries are extremely rare. And the most reliable physical exam sign? Lack of external rotation. You got it, right? And why do people get posterior shoulder dislocations? Electrocutions or seizures, classically on boards. Right there, right? So sometimes they won't even allude to it. Um, they'll just give you that in the stem. So anytime you see that in the stem um, and there's some sort of musculoskeletal complaint or, you know, obviously some sort of shoulder issue going on, really think about that as well. Because again, you know, greater than 50% of these get missed. So uh, anterior dislocation, key things? Anterior dislocation, remember that the mechanism is just like a layup or a volleyball spike. Dislocation is effectively ruled out, effectively ruled out in real life and on boards if a patient can touch their opposite shoulder. The complications most commonly, or at least most commonly tested, is an axillary nerve dysfunction. That's the most common neurological injury, and you're going to have uh, loss of sensation above the deltoid. Other complications include a Bancart lesion, which is a labral tear, greater tuberosity fracture, and a hill sax uh, deformity, which is a humeral head fracture. Rotator cuffs can happen in the elderly. Right. And what are you doing with that hill sax deformity? Calling ortho? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Negative. <A> negative ghost rider. <laughs> Keep them in that sling. Right. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm Sorry, probably, that's, that's what you told me one time one shift after he said, didn't you say just consult everyone? And No, like, no, do not. <laughs> in rare cases, do you actually need ortho uh, in the emergency department? Um, they do a great job in clinic follow-up. All right, moving on. <laughs> on that but, note. <laughs> on that note, another board bomb has been delivered. Very high yield, very short. Shoulder dislocations are just not a very sexy topic. But the nice thing is, if you know what we mentioned in this pod, it's basically the seven to eight different variations that they're going to be asking you questions on shoulder dislocation. So we basically told you everything you need to know, which is awesome. Remember to subscribe to our pod on Apple iTunes. Drop us a five-star review. We always appreciate those, right, Blake? 100%. Always appreciate oh, yeah. reading oh, yeah. reviews, right? I wake up we each morning just looking for new reviews. I know. We leave something witty, fun. You know, we've got some, I think we have like a, a North Korea reference on one of our pods, you know. And I think can't get better than that. Too. Yeah, <laughs> the metric is we're popular in China too, which kind of is counter. Uh, anyways, I'm not going to even go there. But, you know, check out our website as well, emboardbombs.com. There's a lot of good documents out there and PDFs that you can download. Uh, we're excited about bringing you our next board bomb next week. So stay tuned.